Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. Um, this is Cinematic, blogger at Pomacrats. And welcome to the show this week. We're going to be talking about political discourse and where it segs into threatening rhetoric. And this is something um, that our whole one-hour show will be devoted to today. We also have a guest who we'll bring on in about 10 minutes. Um, and uh, Carolee and I will uh, sort of be co-hosting and discussing, you know, in, in the very beginning, um, why this subject matter is so close to our hearts. And um, if you've gone to the Mamacrat site recently, uh, you've seen that in the past month, Carolee has put up a post saying that mean people suck, and I put up a post saying that mean people who egg mean people on <laughs> also suck. And uh, really what we're talking about is um, the fact that our very dear friend and stalwart momocrat, Aaron Kotecki Vest, has been the the object of um, some online threats, some really ugly, nasty language, um, and, uh, you know, it has, it has played out over Twitter that I know of, um, and, you uh, just from the details that I'm that I know, uh, it's a really ugly situation in which you know um, very extreme things were said um, and uh, you know made against her personally and also her family. So, Carolee, if you want to just jump in and maybe talk a little bit about um, what you saw and what prompted you to to write your post, um, you know we can we can start discussing. Um, you know our concern for our friend, basically. Well, yeah, and it, it and it's not only our friends; it's people we don't even know. Um, the, the the kinds of uh, threats that were directed at uh, Aaron were so beyond even just hostile online discourse. We're not talking about you know, oh, I hate you or I hate the way you think. We're talking about things like I'm going to take a gun and blow your children's heads off. I mean, this, this is not normal. This is sick, and mm-hmm. it's scary, and it <clears throat> is, in my opinion, generated by the constant, constant drumbeat of, um, you know, Fox News and the conservatives that, you know, the Tea Party people, who, you know, Dana Loesch, uh, who's just been hired by CNN, uh, just recently said something about, you know, there being no metaphors. In other words, you know, if we're holding a gun, that's not a metaphor. We mean it. And those and people see and hear that kind of stuff, and it sinks in. And if they're even a little tiny bit mentally ill, <laughs> I don't know if you can be a little tiny bit mentally ill, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it, it plays into that. If you if you have a paranoid person, it makes them more paranoid, and they set a target. And in this case, the target is Aaron, and it's not funny. It's not a joke, and it's, you know, they're operating on an anonymous basis. Twitter takes forever to, try, to lock these people down and, you know, get them out of her stream. In the meantime, they're just, this person was just spewing post after post after post. It was yeah. sick. 
It's disturbing. It's really disturbing. And, um, you know, uh, again, without sort of discussing in too great detail, I mean, it's it's to the point where, you know, there needs to be some kind of protection and, and concerted effort to secure yourself against this kind of threat. Uh, I'll just say that much. Um, and, again, I don't want to, you know, speak to, to details of things that um, I just don't know about, but I, I am aware that that's, you know, the level of threat. Um, people are taking this very seriously. And um, now, you know, we are momocrats. We are partisan. And so, uh, you know, we we are sort of watching um, Glenn Beck, um, you know, constantly hammering on a professor who is 78 years old at City University of New York named um, Frances Fox Piven. She seems to be sort of the latest punching bag. Uh, there was someone... Um, and I mentioned this in my post, uh, where um, some person who seems to be, you know, mentally unstable decided that he was going to get some guns and drive out to, you know, hunt down someone from the Tides Foundation who had been, again, you know, a, a, a target, so to speak, that had been hammered home again and again by Glenn Beck. So I, I think that there's a, a terrible way in which um, the – Certain celebrities in the mass media are really kind of overstepping their bounds, to my mind, uh, in terms of being completely irresponsible and and just sort of letting out this rhetoric that, um, as you say, Carolee, you know, if you're mentally ill, if you're unstable, imbalanced in some way, um, if you're predisposed to being violent, then, you know, that is just going to be a convenient target for you to latch onto. So, um, you know, I I think it's it's really gotten uh, out of hand, and Aaron is someone who is very bold, has a very big voice, and I'm so thankful that, you know, she is an outspoken person, and she does stand by her comments, you know. Um, I've seen her, you know, roll up her sleeves and get down in there and, like, really explain in detailed fashion, um, in a very admirable way, I think, you know, what her positions are all about. So, um it's a, it's worrisome to me because I think this can be a very silencing and censoring kind of thing to perceive, for example, Gabrielle Giffords, um, to perceive, you know, to add up all these little um, these little incidents, and they kind of cumulatively have an effect which is very chilling. So, um, you know, in terms of Erin. Um, she has what like twenty thousand Twitter followers. I mean, this is a person who lives and breathes social media. She really puts herself out there, and so, um, you know, she is a kind of a celeb, you know, celebrity, right? Um, online celebrity. But the thing is, uh, this this is this is really kind of stepping over the bounds of of anything that I've ever seen before in terms of um, threats and implied or explicit violence. So. With that in mind, we invited uh, to be our guest today um, Andrea Weckerly. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. And she has started something called Civilination, uh, which is one one letter away from civilization, <laughs> I noticed. So, um, Andrea, can you tell us uh, about your organization and what it is that you're trying to do, and maybe some things that might relate to a specific case like Aaron's, in which someone online, and we all know that you you don't have to invite this kind of ugly attention in any way, simply just by being you know 
a, a little person who with a, with a blog, um, you know, out there in the middle of of the giant blogosphere, you can still have um, you you know people come in and um, you know rail at you, be trolls, um, threaten you, stalk you, etc. So let's talk a little bit about how why it is that you started your organization and also some concrete things that you've seen work to sort of help on the lower level, like the low-grade kind of, um, you know, negative um, talk that's out there and the, and the kind of, you know, negative discourse, political discourse. Well, thanks for inviting me, first of all. And when I heard about what's happening to Aaron, I was uh, extremely uh, upset by it. Um, the specifics of her case, of which I only know what's out there in the public realm, are truly disturbing. And it, 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 her case is a specific, uh, great example of that this can happen to anybody who's online. Um, and so that should be a warning to everybody who's listening today. But uh, briefly about civilization. Um, civilization's mission truly is to foster an online culture where everybody around the planet can freely participate in a democratic, open, rational, and truth-based exchange of ideas and information without fear or threat of being the target of unwarranted abuse, harassment, or lies. What we're doing is taking a stand for civil digital discourse. And what that means is basically that we view freedom of expression as a fundamental human right, one that we believe should not be taken away from every from anyone and that nobody should feel silenced online. Um, it doesn't mean that we always have to be polite online or that everybody has to have... Um, uh, nice ways of expressing something. In fact, uh, passionate views are very, very positive. It's how we can get ideas across. It's how we can advance the, the uh, best concepts of democracy, for example. But when they tip, when they tip a particular, uh, when they go over the line, so to speak, that's when these things become extremely dangerous, and you end up silencing somebody, in, in effect, taking away their voice. And that's something that uh, is unconscionable. Absolutely agreed. And um, did you want to let people know what your website was? Oh, absolutely. It's civilination.org. I'll spell that. It's C-I-V-I-L-I-N-A-T-I-O-N.org. And we also have uh, various information on there, um, some resources that people may find interesting, such as um, some downloads. One is on... um, the spectrum of online hostility. The other one can help people understand what their own personal conflict styles are. There's a list of legal remedies and laws against online hostility that I encourage people to go to. And in fact, uh, just this morning we posted a blog post, Five Practical Tips to Encourage Civil Discourse. You'll find that under our blog tab. That's great. And we're also um, inviting people to call in. We're experimenting with live callers this week. So if you're listening live, you can call in at 347-945-6465. So, um, Andrea, can you maybe drill down a little bit into um, some of the remedies that are available for people who are experiencing, you know, sort of a milder form of, of cyberstalking where um, it's just really unpleasant, sustained um, kind of online contact as opposed to out-and-out death threats? Well, I think one of the things we first need to do is to step back. And 
look at a particular situation and find out what the what the depth and breadth of it truly is. I mean, I've been on the receiving end of, of online attacks and hostility, and, and I understand how uncomfortable it is. Um, it, it's truly disturbing, and uh, a target of this will go through a variety of motions, anything from um, feeling anxious and frustrated to uh, ultimately, uh, you know, depressed. And, and some people even develop a post-traumatic stress disorder as a result. Um, but assuming it's something on the milder side where uh, an attacker is um, extremely unelegant in their speech and uses ad hominem attacks, uh, one of the things you want to look at is, is there a pre-existing relationship that you have with this person? Does this person have a... Uh, if so, very often they can be approached in the back channel. I know several instances where somebody... Uh, simply acted out of sorts and had a bad day, and then they were approached by, by the person that was the recipient of this, this type of attack and said, listen, what's going on? And they apologized and they said, listen, I'm really sorry, I just got online and I vented on you, it won't happen again. That's, that's a great outcome. Sometimes what happens is that we're the target of, of individuals that we really don't know personally. We may only know them online. And it gets very, very uncomfortable, and again, then we need to look at, are other people jumping on the bandwagon as all as, as well? Is this becoming an online lynch mob, or is it one person who's uh, simply following you around online and making a role of pain of themselves? Uh, what effect is it having on you? Is it having a reputational effect? Certainly, mo most cases, it has a negative emotional effect. But looking at those things to find out... Um, if you're going to respond, first of all, uh, very often there's no need to respond because the attacker, after a while, they'll, they'll lose steam. And in fact, what they want to get is a rise out of the, the victim. Uh, they want to see that they've, they've hurt them in some way or another. And if it's somebody who doesn't have a following or is just basically being a, uh, well, I was going to use an expletive here, but being a jerk, let's put it that way, uh, then the best thing to do is just to ignore them as best you can. Um, if it gets larger than that, uh, sometimes you need to take action and you need to decide, wow, is your reputation being smeared? Um, are there other people who are joining in on that? And it can go all the way to finding out if you have a defamation case, in which case you would want to get in touch with a defamation attorney. Um, and that has its own benefits and drawbacks, whether to pursue a suit or not. Uh, does that give you a little bit of a spectrum? We can talk about specifics if you'd like. Yeah, that would be great, especially since I understand your background is as an attorney. Is that right? Um, it is, although I, I am speaking as the founder of Civilization. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to make sure people uh, don't believe I'm, I'm giving any legal advice right. here on the phone right. or anything like that. But, yeah, I, I, I am a licensed attorney here in the United States. That's right. Yeah. And and that does give you um, a deeper understanding than the layperson, at least, of where to begin in terms of looking at the different states' laws of cyber stalking and um, you know those kinds of harassment, anti-harassment um, laws. Um, what uh, in in the cases where um, it's just uh, people piling on, as often happens on Twitter, uh, what what are your suggestions for for nipping that in the bud. I mean, have you seen good strategies in terms of like if just if enough people say, Hey, what's you know, what's happening here? Why, you know, why the uh the spat? Um is it is it right for other people to get involved? Um you know, does that just kind of make it worse? Um, you know, what are can you talk about some instances where you've actually seen that um help kind of bring uh, cooler heads to prevail? 
Yeah, well, it, it, you know, there are some some things that people can try, but it really ultimately depends on the specifics of the situation. Let's let's do examples. Uh, somebody said something online, and uh, they get a jerky response, so to speak, on Twitter. And it's, and it may be around an issue that is uh, a sensitive issue, you know, whether it's environment or politics or parenting or any of these things where people have very, very strong, passionate opinions. And then what ends up happening is that the recipient of this attack, uh, the, the first person who tweets, right, they very often feel that they need to respond right away. And what does that do? Um, it can escalate a situation, right? The first person says something that somebody else sees on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, the second person says, well, you know, you're an idiot. I totally disagree with you, and, you know, I don't know what rock you crawled out from under. And then the person who's attacked has that visceral reaction, says, my goodness, I can't believe I've been spoken to that way. Boom. And they, and they tweet back right away. What they don't do is really start looking at a situation and saying, is that necessary? I, I would argue that most times it isn't. And, in fact, it can escalate a situation instead of letting it go. And especially then when it, it becomes a situation where it's a back forth, the friends of these individuals very often jump on. And pretty soon everybody's emotions are turned on absolute high, mm -hmm. and nobody's listening to anybody anymore at all. The whole goal of getting somebody else to hear what you have to say and the issues at hand becomes completely lost in the battle. Um, and, and if that's the goal, ultimately, to browbeat somebody, then fine. That, that, that may be a successful strategy, although one that I don't consider very socially acceptable. But if the idea is to get somebody to listen to the position that you have, it's completely counterproductive. So, again, I would say really, really, when somebody is attacked online or criticized online, and it has happened to me, or people get snide remarks, you really wonder whether you need to respond. I know a lot of people do immediately respond. These are bright, brilliant, successful career folks. Um, and sometimes I cringe at that because it doesn't have to be. It, it, takes, a, it takes an argument and it, and it continues it on. Um, sometimes it's better to let, let uh, people calm down, look mm -hmm. at the situation, and then revisit it later on. Yeah. So just letting more things slide um, as annoying, wrong, and... Uh, you know, provocative as they may be, is is one coping mechanism. On you know, for something that is very sort of small scale, um, you know, trolling uh, that goes on, especially on Twitter, where you've got 140 characters to try to you know lay out your <laughs> your uh, position, um, pro or con. We um, we actually have Julie Pipert um, who has a question. So Julie, did you want to go ahead and um, ask uh, Andrea something? Do we have Julie? Hello? Mm -hmm. Hi, Julie? I'm here. Hey, yeah, you're online, so go, go ahead and ask um, Andrea or make your comment. Okay, yes. Um, Andrea, I think your five practical tips to encourage civil discourse post is really, really good, um, especially numbers one and two. And um, in number two, refuse to be silenced. You said if a situation becomes dangerous, law enforcement should be contacted. I think that's a really good point, but I think what's really hard for people is to know when something's crossed that boundary from this is annoying and frustrating, this is a little bit of bullying, to this is actually dangerous. And can you give some tips and advice for how to know when something's crossed that boundary over into dangerous and what are the first most important things you need to do to protect yourself and if you need to, your case? 
great question, Julie. Um, so clearly, let's let's start at one end of the spectrum. If if threats, if physical threats are made against you or your family, uh, that is something you should immediately get law enforcement involved with. They can make them a determination uh, from a from a uh, from a professional position whether in fact uh, this is legally actionable, right? Whether this is a criminal offense. Um, I mean, there are there are uh, existing existing laws in place, federal and state anti-stalking laws. Um, you know, identity theft and assumption deterrence. The Act of 1998 is another criminal law, and other computer-related crimes that fall in the criminal element side of things. Um, but again, if somebody is physically threatened, they should definitely get law enforcement involved. If somebody's reputation is threatened, uh, such as, you know, if you don't do X, Y, Z, for example, I'm going to reveal uh, these photos and so forth. Uh, those, those are also criminal threats. It, it can be extortion or blackmail, you name it. Um, again, I would get law enforcement involved in that, making make a good determination. Um, some of the things fall into the, the civil side, which, again, would allow somebody to pursue a, a legal remedy for it, um, but is not quite as, let's say, acute where somebody's life is at that very moment being threatened. And that would be um, things such as uh, in intentional affliction of emotional distress, defamation, uh, public disclosure of private facts, you know, where somebody's, let's say, their, their private emails or photos of themselves in private situations are leaked. Um, but in terms of, uh, in, I think this is the second part of your question, Julie, in terms of how to protect oneself online, um, there are some things that people should automatically be doing uh, that I don't think they're taking seriously enough these days with the the um, tremendous growth of social networking sites and how everybody feels very comfortable sharing things online. And, and one of those things is really, for example, uh, how to protect your physical presence. Uh, I know that uh, that things like a Foursquare are enormously popular these days in similar services where you can let people know where you are. Uh, but be very careful in how often you use those. Um, there are cases where people are able to then identify where you are and stalk you in the real world if they so choose. Um, you know, photos, for example, revealing, uh, uploading photos of yourself. Turn, turn off the uh, geo-encoding segments of the of your phone camera so that people can't determine where you are, where they took a picture, where you are at that very moment. Um, things consider having an unlisted number and even a um, uh, an address where people can't identify where you live. Um, in fact, just to share a personal thing, um, my address is not public because I work with civil nation, and obviously there are some people, uh, the, the bad guys, so to speak, who want us to stop doing the work we're doing. And so I make sure that as much as I can, my personal address is protected and it's not on my driver's license. Um, Make sure that your mail is not addressed to your home. Get a PO box. Uh, that's really a very, very simple thing to do. Limit to the extent of identifying information you put online, uh, pictures of your family or yourself, especially your children. Uh, make sure that you don't post your regular schedule online if it falls within a pattern. Very simple things like that, that until people find themselves the, the target of online hostility or even a stalker, they think these are these are tiny unimportant things, but they soon realize they're really a way of protecting your well-being. 
Those are all really um, excellent precautions to take, and and I'm hoping our listeners, uh, many of whom are bloggers, um, and you know, quite freely volunteer pictures of of children or and or you know locations, you know, maybe give that a second thought. Um, so I think Carolee had something uh, she wanted to add also. So if you don't mind, Jules, we'll go over to Carolee and see what comment or question she has. Yeah. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks, Jules. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to go back to the, the issue of Twitter for a minute. Um, Twitter is unique in that it's, it is a one-to-many service, unlike Facebook, where Facebook you have uh, the mutual follows. You can, have a, uh, you, you can be followed on Twitter and not even know you're being followed. People can follow lists where you've been listed and so on. So what happens is if something blows up on Twitter, it can go out to thousands and even hundreds of thousands of people almost instantly. Um, and this is great if it's if you know if it's something good if you're working for people or in the Egypt situation or whatever where you can get the word out and get the word out fast. When it's not good is when you're being threatened, stalked, or you know otherwise harassed. And I see it all too often. I, I generally, I, I'm, I'm at least three people right now who are being stalked and harassed on Twitter. And what happens is, they, you know, someone will send out a threat or, or slander or, or just something horrible, and it'll be retweeted by, uh, you know, three or four or five people who those three or four then retweeted, and it goes out to a zillion people, and it's a very scary thing. I've had it happen to me, not with a threat, but uh, I made a comment that people didn't like. And I came on the next morning, and there was at least, I don't know, 500 responses to this comment. And there were, it it was picked up, and it was high profile, and it was just, the effort was essentially to completely smash my reputation, um, you know, and make me an, an uncredible person because I made one comment. That's how it goes. <laughs> so uh, it, it's my point being that, that Twitter is um, especially volatile when it comes to this kind of discourse. And um, it, the best advice I have for Twitter is, just disengage. Don't discuss it. Just let it die because as quick as it flares, it also goes away. Um, and, and that's in most cases. In Erin's case, that we actually used the um, viral nature of Twitter to get accounts shut down faster. I mean, my strategy was essentially with her, when every time I see a threat and I've got a search set up now so that I'll, I'll see it faster, every time we see a threat, we retweet and instruct people to um, report the account as spam, when it's reported as spam, often enough, Twitter automatically shuts it down. That's a really fantastic point, which is the need to check check Twitter and, and in general, check your online reputation. And there are uh, lots of tools, some uh, some of them free, some of them free, that allow people to do that. Uh, and I would encourage absolutely everybody who's listening to this today to check your online reputation on a very regular basis. 
whether or not you have a strong online presence, because it could even be somebody such as your next door neighbor who doesn't like the fact that you know you left trash out too long one day, who then decides to go online and vent on you, and pretty soon you've got a bit of a rep online that is that's searchable and findable by future employers and neighbors in your entire community. So, so that is very necessary. Um, with regard to Twitter, there's certainly something to be said about the speed with which it uh, spreads information and, and some of which is uh, very useful, particularly seen in uh, Egypt and other places around the globe. And other, other um, bits of information that are factually incorrect are very harmful. Uh, one of the things we're trying to do with civilization um, is also uh, go out there and teach people media and dig, uh, digital literacy. What this means is that people have to understand how to weigh information accurately, to consider the source that it comes from, uh, the, the accuracy of the information, and what the end goal is in trying to put a particular type of information online. And until we're able to, to properly weigh information and determine what's a credible source and not a credible source, things like uh, retweeting incorrect information, uh, it's all become quite intense. Carolee, I wanted to um, pick up something that you had said about reputation management, which is that in your experience, um, you know, you felt very compelled to defend yourself, of course, and your reputation. Um, and uh, I can also see where, um, as you as you also pointed out, that sometimes these things flare up and it feels very um, urgent and immediate and, and overwhelming, but that um, with a little perspective, it can also just die down just as quickly. So can you talk about that sort of, you know, aspect of having to pick your battles, um, uh, you know, uh, when to let it slide, when that you might really need to step in, um, and, you know, kind of assessing how big something has blown up? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to hold myself out as, as somebody who handled it well the first couple of times, but I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's, um, it, the best thing that, I, the best thing I've learned to do is to close the window and walk away. Uh -huh. Um, and come back and, in you know, a blog post is one way to do it, and that, that was probably the most effective thing that I did. I just wrote, I, I wrote a blog post and um, laid out, you know, in one case I was just flat out wrong, and I just said so in a blog post. In another case, um, I, I wasn't, and I um, just kind of laid out what the arguments were and expressed concerns that we were moving towards zero-sum discourse, where there was never a time where both parties could be right. Where you know you're right, I'm wrong, or I'm right, you're wrong, and and neither of those is true because we're human beings and and there's nuance in it. So, um, but by writing the post, I sort of got my side of the story out there on the record without doing it in 140 characters um, and without engaging. And I think that there's just a point where you just have to instinctively know to disengage because you're blowing it up more. Yeah, you know, you're not you're not adding anything into the into things. There's other time, and and we do have other ways to speak, and blog posts are one way to speak. Yeah, that, I, I I agree, and and just from my own experience, one time um, I did experience a little bit of this Twitter sort of piling on um, with someone that 
in, I had never met in person and only sort of knew through Twitter circles uh, as friends of friends. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we are two very different people with different ideological outlooks and so on and so forth and we have political differences. And um, I said something and she jumped on and then she invited a bunch of other people and it was ultimately something where I needed to contact her, you know, directly. So I direct messaged her and said, you know, here's my phone number. This is obviously... Not, I'm not able to kind of sit at Twitter for the next seven hours and address this in 140 characters. And also, you know, maybe this is really the kind of thing that we should talk about on the phone. So we ended up having a phone conversation. And um, while I wouldn't say that we agreed to disagree or, you know, came to any sort of kumbaya conclusion, it was something that where at least, you know, I as a human being and she as a human being could connect in another channel and um, at, at least attempt to sort of air our differences or at, or just talk, you know, as people, people to people. Um, so I, I very much am, am for, you know, trying to take these things out of the artificial boundaries of 140 characters or even sometimes a blog post and then, you know, taking it um, to to a phone conversation if you are an acquaintance of that person, if that person is already in your social circle, and, um, you know, if you have any sort of investment in, in wanting to, you know, maintain a civil relationship is, is one possibility. We um, we have a couple of callers on the line, so it sounds like uh, Kyle has um, a comment or a question, so should we um, go ahead and hear from Kyle? Yes. Yes, hi. Thank you for having me on. Hi, Kyle. Go ahead. Uh, did you have a question or a comment for Andrea? Uh, more of a comment, and well, I first want to say that, Andrea, you did a very good explanation of just kind of walking away from uh, haters and that sort of thing. I've had that uh, happen to me uh, on my YouTube channel and kind of have a back and forth a little bit, and eventually it does die off. So, yes, you're very much right. But, again, I think it's also would behoove people to pretty much stay away from social networking sites like Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter. Um, they don't really do anything for your life, and uh, the only reason I'm using YouTube is uh, as, a, as a form of activism. I actually have a specific reason, and I don't really give out too much information about myself. So I think there's something to be said for that. But for anybody who does a uh, search for something called Track Me If You Can, Track Me If You Can, it was a Discovery Channel special on various privacy techniques. And uh, one of the things they suggested was, you know, to keep your privacy safe, uh, you know, leave some disinfo on your social networking sites uh, and whatnot. So that was a way of also uh, pretty much uh, diverting uh, potential cyber bullies and that type of thing. That's a great comment and a you know a good suggestion and um, maybe another one of the precautions that people can take. Thanks, Kyle, for you know calling in with your comment on that. And I think it's also interesting to note that um, it's it's men <laughs> who experience this as well. I mean, I was sort of in the mindset that you know very often it's women, and so uh, I can envision scenarios where cyber stalking and harassment is an extension of, let's say, um, you know, uh, an ex boyfriend or ex-husband acrimonious kind of situation like that where, you know, then it bleeds into, um, you know, this kind of attempt to control um, the woman's uh, communications, et cetera, you know, as, as one possible scenario. But um, Kyle's reminder is that, you know, men also experience this kind of um, – you know, online fisticuffs and sort of really unproductive um, exchanges back and forth. 
um, which, you know, uh, can trigger the unbalanced and obsessive to, um, you know, to really sort of follow you around in a very uncomfortable way. Um, I think we also have uh, David on the line. So, uh, David, are you there? I am here. And, Hi, uh, it's yeah. Nice, nice to be here. And, uh, um, you know, it's interesting, as, as I was listening, I was actually physically stalked in person uh, a few years ago, and, and you know, amazingly enough, the authorities basically don't take a, a man being stalked by a woman very seriously at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am now, once again, going through it uh, online. Mm. Um, and it, it actually prompted me to leave Twitter about six months ago, and I came back about a month ago, and I'm just about to leave again because it's you know, I, I guess some people just don't know when to let go, right? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, and and I think you know people who seem balanced and and steady can, can you know can experience very uh, difficult personal circumstances that really do kind of push them to the edge, and and have them take steps that. Um, you know, really are come as a surprise and, uh, you know, are very unwelcome um, kinds of extreme actions. So, um, Well, and the and the mob mentality is very easy to generate mm-hmm. in, in something like Twitter where you have, you know, a thousand followers and you can start saying something and your thousand followers know you and they don't know the other person and you can generate sort of a, a, a fair amount of hysteria for your position and then you've got a you know, several hundred people that are willing to pile on somebody uh, that they don't know, they don't know anything about what's going on, and they can uh, just jump right in, right? Right, yeah. David makes a great point on this, um, and, and it frustrates me that to hear that he may be the one deleting his Twitter account. This is where I really get frustrated because it seems as though the stalked is the one who ends up you know, bailing out and and going away. And I, I mean, I've had uh, over the past two years, I, I've actually um, been a champion for David's cause. He's been a wonderful voice for healthcare reform and a lot of other um, really important initiatives politically. And so, by somebody being obsessed and stalking. Now we have a situation where that voice is silent, and I, that that really bothers me. But um, and so you know, for Erin, by the way, to continue to hang in there after receiving the stuff that she's received is, um, I think, a real act of courage on her part. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, because it, it it is certainly tempting to just check out and say, "I'm done with this." It's you know, and and there's I I do believe that there's value in social media, and there and of course there's value in political discourse, and uh, you know, no matter who wants to shut it down, Andrew Breitbart published uh, threats to me, veiled threats on Twitter, um, wow. you know that he he would he knew who my clients were and he knew who my kids were, and you know they they were in my opinion. They were just like swaggering bully kind of threats. Like mm-hmm. he would never do anything. He just wanted to make me feel like he would. Um, and so uh, my solution to that was basically to block him and um, it, it, and ignore it. But it, it, I couldn't ignore what Aaron was getting. And I would probably be gone 
if I were getting what she's getting. So, um, and that's that's just a way to silence strong voices, and that's wrong. Yeah. David, I'm wanted... really sorry. Oh. oh, go ahead, Andrea. Yeah. Uh, David, I'm really sorry to hear what what you're going through, um, and certainly everybody. You drive home the point that everybody is potentially a target. And part of what I'm trying to do with civilization and why we're on this phone call today or on this recording today is because we need to get to a point in society where we shift social norms and realize the detrimental effect uh, that online hostility and attacks has on individuals, first of all, and on social discourse and uh, and culture as a whole. Uh, This is not something where people are saying, my goodness, my feelings were a little bit hurt, but it's really undermining the ability to communicate, share ideas, advance democracy, as I said earlier, and uh, with everybody online these days, um, that's no longer an option to turn off. I mean, I understand you can get off Twitter and things like that, but not, not communicating via email or any of these other methods. Uh, isn't really feasible in modern society. So we've got to get to the point where all of us really come together and say this is unconscionable, this is completely unacceptable, and start taking a very, very vocal stand. And when we see something, we call it out as we're doing today and standing up for our friend and colleague Aaron and other people, whether or not we share political affiliations with them not. But this is a a huge, huge uh, global epidemic that has got to stop. I I agree, and I I just, oh, if I could just announce the number again, in case anyone wants to call in for like the last 20 minutes of the show, it's 347-945-6465. And David, are you still with us? Yes, I just want one more thing before I hang up and go. uh, Well, sort of two things. First of all, um, Aaron is, is, is... Wonderful, and, I'm, and and one of the greatest people I know, um, in in all that she's she goes through and, and deals with. So, um, and I'm uh, to hear of you know what what she's being you know put through right now, especially given what she's already through. But one of the things that I would really hope to see is Twitter really need to revisit their uh their standards of conduct um their their standard is unless it's a direct physical threat with time and place uh they won't act and they you know, a lot of this you know the the real talented cyber bullies are very good at at skirting these rules to the mm-hmm. point that twitter says you know sounds like a personal problem to me and throws up their hands and won't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think that that given the, the nature of the media, they really need to, to look a little more closely at what cyberbullying is and, and what cyberstalking is, creating serial accounts to harass somebody, these sorts of things, and start start taking a little bit stronger action um, in that in that regard, and I, I I just don't think they do. They basically said, well, there's no physical, direct physical threat with a with a time and a place. Therefore, it's not bullying. I completely agree, David. And I think there's also a way in which there's sort of a civil liberties um, impulse to sort of resist Patriot Act type intrusions into social networks, and and you know we understand that in in that, uh, you know, Twitter would be unwilling to hand over the identities of uh, participants in the Iran elections, you know, a giant um, Twitter um, 
Twitter bomb or whatever you would call that um, activism, uh, and so they you know would want to protect those identities. But I think that they that they need to carve out um, a space where they can recognize that. Um, you know, these are not freedom crusaders. These are basically online bullies, and uh, and or you know dangerous people with dangerous intentions sometimes. And they, I think they really need to uh, be proactive in monitoring their services for that because um, you know there's there's obviously a, a lot of space in that civil liberties position uh, where you can you know take. Um, take some resources in your company and, you know, protect people who are being harassed and uh and and possibly, you know, worse using using the service. So you obviously don't want, you know, your service to be party to that. Um I, I mentioned that a little bit in my post and I think, you know, that's kind of a a larger abstract point, but, you know, um what you said just reminded me of that and, and I, I completely agree. I, I think it's shameful that, you know, Twitter would stymie uh, anyone's attempt to, you know, get a stalker on Twitter to to stop. You know, it's just a kind of unbelievable to me that they would be so unhelpful. Um, so let's see. We have um, we have about 16 more minutes, and I kind of wanted to go back to a point uh, that you had brought out, Andrea, about um, how civilization is really trying to be very proactive and teach people about um, – digital literacy, social media literacy, and how, um, for example, you can, um, we, that we need to sort of teach <laughs> um, what should come naturally but doesn't, and, and that is, you know, how to assess um, information that you find online, um, you know, how to weigh it and see do you really want to um, attach a reputation to this by retweeting it or seeming to endorse it or arguing for it, um, those kinds of things, as well as just um, sort of, you know, encouraging other kinds of civility um, online. And can you talk more about those kinds of uh, um, programs? Are they things that you're currently developing or are they things that you've you've put into place and have seen some success with uh, already? So those are things we're still currently developing, uh, but mm-hmm. it's, it's really top one of the top things on on our uh, agenda because there's such a necessity for it. In fact, uh, we see a direct tie-in between media and digital literacy and how people react online. Um, if somebody's being a jerk online and it's targeted towards you, certainly that's bothersome on a lot of levels, uh, and especially the more extreme it becomes. Um, but if we are able to, as I said earlier, weigh where they're coming from, if they are really somebody that we need to be concerned about, if they're really that important, um, we'll be able to react in a more rational uh, sense to a given situation. Um, but we know, for example, from studies that people go online and they put something in a search engine, whatever they see come up first is where they believe the, the truth lies and, and the factual information is. And that's not very often the case uh, with search engine optimization or people um, people having a lot of links to, to their information. Something can get pushed up very easily in the search engines without people realizing that it may not actually be the, the best source of information. Um, I don't see that changing anytime soon because that's on the back end of things. What we need to do is really start retraining people and teaching people, and that starts from school-age children on to uh, older adults right now, how do you weigh that information properly? Um, 
And I would like to see that reintroduced into schools. Uh, it is it is in some scattered fashion being offered uh, around the country, but it's not something that is necessarily required at this point. And certainly adults, they don't know how to weigh one form of information over another. So it, it's a huge, huge concern. Yeah, and I think the anonymity that a lot of social media can afford people, um, I think really worsens the situation because I think people then under cover of some <laughs> I other identity or just, you know, anonymity in general, they feel uh, a license to say things that they would never say to a person in real life to their face. Um, I know of one um, anti-cyberbullying effort that was started by, I think, a college student, which is called Say It To My Face. And uh, they, I know they have a Facebook presence, and, uh, you know, they might be an interesting group for Civilization to, um, you know, create a, a collaboration with. But um, I just really loved her idea that, you know, we need to ratchet it down in terms of the cyberbullying that um, school children, teens, tweens, are experiencing, and um, one way we can do that is to challenge people, you know, would you really say that to my face? You know, come and say that to my face. You you really think that about me, or, or you know, you really think X, Y, Z, you know, um, to kind of remind people that, you know, there is a human being on the other end of the computer, you know, the, the smartphone or whatever it is, because uh, I think forgetting that enables us to really... Um, you know, enables us to, to just go off and uh, say things that we regret later. Um, I think, uh, let's see, we have about 10 more minutes. I know um, Carolee wanted to raise uh, raise another issue. Carolee, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here, and I'll leave yeah. this one fast, um, yeah. which is that this is so, this is ongoing across the Internet um, back Three years ago, I think three or four years ago, Kathy Sierra, who was a wonderful tech blogger, was essentially bullied and, and shut down her blog. It was a very, very high-traffic blog, and she just shut it down. I found her on Twitter uh, a couple of years ago, and now she's shut that down. So I don't know if she's being talked, but she was having the same kind of issues that Erin was having with mm -hmm. um, her children being threatened. And um, it was just really ugly, and it it, it 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 just amazes me that we haven't gotten farther with this. You know that we're still fighting constantly. Um, you know the issue of people stalking, of people going past a line of civility, and I really want to just applaud, you know, every effort in this space to change that. Um, but and that was it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I re I remember her case and just being um, astonished that she could receive so much vitriol, you know, to the point where it was it was damaging her, you know, her sense of happiness and ability to function and you know her online reputation and all of that. And professionally, you know, I think it had repercussions professionally. Um, and so you know, so many of us do have social media. Um, uh, Identities, uh, not just for pleasure and socialization, but it's you know also part of uh, whatever kind of work we may do. So there's you know difficulty in in grappling with that and having to shut down a Twitter account, which is also your business account, you know because you've picked up a stalker is um, is is really tough. And then it starts affecting you know your livelihood, right? Um, so. Um, 
let's see. Um, it looks like we do. We have one more caller. Uh, it looks like we might have one more caller. Um, do we want to go ahead and patch through this one person? We are coming down on the, the last few minutes of our show. Okay, caller, are you there? I'm here. How are you? Hi, good. Yes, did you want to make a very quick comment before we uh, sign off soon? Yes, just real quick. Um, you know, I, 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 someone mentioned, I'm not sure who, I know there's three of you there, but uh, someone mentioned something about saying uh, that people are more prone to say things uh, with the anonymity, the anonymity of people online uh, than they were to do in somebody's, you know, in somebody's personal space or in real life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's what drives a lot of the cyberbullying in the first place. I mean, you know, when people can hide behind a persona, an yeah. online persona, mm-hmm. they get a little more brave than they would uh, had they had you walked out in the street and said something similar. And, you know, there, there's less of a risk factor because people don't know who you are. So I think that's part of the reason why these things happen. And it's unfortunate, and it's sad that people have to deal with it. But, again, it's just, you know, I, I, think, that's a, I think that's really a, a major factor in what goes on uh, with cyberbullying in the first place. Yep, I absolutely agree. And thank you, caller, for your comment. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, have a great yeah. day. Thanks for listening. So, um I did want to mention, before we got too far um, into our farewells, I did want to mention that um, our show is sponsored by Bubble Genius, bubblegenius.com, and they make wonderful vegan soaps um, in all kinds of entertaining shapes and sizes and themes. I think there's like space alien soaps that are bright green, which are kind of fun, and there's one that looks like a bagel, which is, you know, always tickles me, washing yourself with a bagel. But anyway, so I wanted to put in a little plug for Bubble Genius. They're a lot of fun. Check them out online. Um, We have a a button on our blog um, that leads right to their site, and you can browse their online store, and there's also listings of where you can actually go to their store physically, physically and look at the soaps and buy whatever you'd like. So please do check them out. Um, Our website is mamacrats.com. You can always go there. Uh, We also have a Facebook page. We are um, Mama Cats on Facebook. And if you look under product services, uh, that's where we are. Um, And then, uh, you know, also, um, finally, Civilination, civilination civilination.org, is a brand-new organization that has come about uh, to address um, all of these kinds of issues. And, And I think that... Um, you know, we sort of ended with cyberbullying in the sort of school context, and I think that young people are, are we expect them to be digital natives, Andrea, but in a lot of ways they're um, not equipped out of maturity um, to to deal with a lot of the kinds of harassment that uh, is, is being exchanged online. But also I think schools are having a hard time drawing the line because they want to create a safe environment for their students, of course, but you know, where is this online thing happening? It's not technically on school grounds, but it is affecting the students and their ability to, you know, relate to one another once they do get there face-to-face in the classrooms and in the hallways. Um, so hopefully, a Civilization, you know, you'll be bringing your, your uh, toolbox of, of uh, 
civility <laughs> civility tools for social media uh, to schools as well. And I do know um, there is an anti-bullying piece of legislation in Congress that um, hopefully will be, you know, voted on at some point. And I would love to see, you know, really stepped up efforts to curtail cyberbullying, you know, in that bill that, you know, that would really give guidelines and uh, let school boards and school districts and administrators know, you know, what exactly their responsibilities are and what exactly their legal liabilities are, because a lot of times that's not clear. I agree, and, and if I may just add one thing before we uh, get off the air, I, I would like to say thank you to all the people uh, who have been on the receiving end of online impacts, who have the courage to tell their friends about it or get online and talk about it. Um, realize that you are really trailblazers in this regard. A lot of people that this happens to, uh, they keep quiet about it. They think they're alone, they're afraid, they're embarrassed. But those individuals who are going out and taking a stand and saying, you know what, this isn't right, it's happening to me, uh, those are the trailblazers, and I have enormous respect for them, and those are the folks that are going to help uh, move this forward. So thank you very much. Thank you. And I really want to make a final plea. Um, Carolee, I don't know if you had a, a final words, but I did want to re say to all of the women who have um, commented on Erin's blog posts, have tweeted you know, pleasantries with her about how little girls like to dress up as princesses or, you know, how kids like to play, you know, Star Wars lightsaber battles or, um, you know, have uh, engaged in a in a feisty comment uh, exchange with her on BlogHer where she works uh, with regard to politics and, um, you know, political beliefs and things like that. I would really like women on either side of the aisle with any kind of political identification, if you really could come forward and just let Erin know that um, setting aside political identities, setting aside labels, that um, she has support. You know, she has support from the people who know her, um, from the people who've enjoyed, you know, chatting with her, um, who've maybe learned something from her, or um, have just, through blog her, had uh, some kind of contact with her. And I think that would really make such a difference um, in our own kind of corner of the blogosphere to, um, to let her know that liberal women, progressive women, conservative women, moderate women, all of us who are online, we understand that there's a bright line. And you know, making death threats, making any kind of threats of violence is just not cool because it shuts down her voice and, you know, by extension it shuts down our voices too. We see this happening and we become timid and we become afraid and that's not, uh, you know, what we engage in social media for. We, we engage in it so that we have free expression and exchange of ideas. Um, so that's really my plea, and that goes out specifically to conservative women um, with whom, uh, you know, Erin has, has had contact, um, chatted, um, and, you know, sparred <laughs> on occasion, but, you know, always in a, in a friendly way. So, um, Carolee, did you want to say um, any last words? Um, just thanks to everybody for listening to this, and be vigilant, and, you know, we're all watching over Erin as best we can and trying to fight back until the law enforcement authorities can do whatever it is that they, 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 they're going to do with this. I assume that she, I don't, anyway, bye. That's right. Thank you, and thank you again, Andrea, for joining us, civilination.org. Thank you so much.